The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Starts off, meanwhile, like a good movie, you know, meanwhile, back at the ranch. And whenever you hear meanwhile, you go, okay, so meanwhile, what? What was going on? If you hear us, we talked about that. Jesus had said that this way of Jesus, the gospel's going to go not just for you insiders, you Jewish believers, it's going to go to Judea and Samaria, and it's going to go all over the world. And we found out last week it got even to the Samaritans, even those people, and even got down to Africa through this chance coincidence meeting that Philip has with the guy on the road uh, down to Gaza. And it says the church is growing and expanding like crazy. But the reason it's growing and expanding like crazy is not because everybody thought, you know, we should get, let's get a missions team together and let's send out some people to get some new churches started to help other people know about Jesus. You know what happened? Just because they were scared out of their minds. We're gonna, they're, they're torturing and killing us, go. This is exactly what the enemy does. Satan and demons and evil always shoots itself in the foot because God always weaponizes evil against itself. He says, you're going to try to crush this and wipe this out? Guess what these fools are going to do is they go here, there, and everywhere. They're going to talk about me. And that church you're trying to crush and destroy is going to multiply in ways that if you just would have let it be, it would have stayed right here, probably. But it goes everywhere. It tells us Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to not just hurt the Lord's followers, to quash it, to, to kill them. Saul's the first terrorist that we meet against Christianity. He's going to extremes. He gets letters to go to Damascus. I'm going to put a map up here on the screen to show you where Damascus is. There's Jerusalem down the south. Sorry for those. If you you sit far in the back, get closer. You can see better. (laughs) I should have picked a better map. I'm sorry. Jerusalem uh, is down here in, in Israel. Damascus, I don't know if you guys know this, is not in Israel. It's in a foreign country. It's in the, it's in the country of Syria. Uh, Jews and Gentiles don't like each other very much at this time especially. He goes up to Damascus. Damascus is about 150, 130 miles away, and it would take someone two weeks to get there. So this is not just hop in your car, go grab a Southwest, cheap fare, two for one, whatever, and get up there and take care of business. And this way of Jesus has spread so much that Paul, Saul, Paul gets wind of it and thinks we got to get up there and take care of some business up there because the church has grown up in this foreign city because of the persecution. It tells us that he's trying to find people who are followers of the way. You need to know that oftentimes when the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts, talk about Christianity, it doesn't talk about Christianity, it talks about followers of the way. Like the way, they didn't know what to call it. It's not Judaism, it's we're following the way of Jesus and it just became the abbreviated the way. It was only later on that it became known as Christianity uh, and, and people were called Christians. Uh, so he goes up there two weeks on foot and then what Katrina just read for us so beautifully was that he is, and here's the song, some of you remember raised in the 70s, blinded by the light on that Damascus road. That's a t- message titled today. For those of you that are, you know, whatever, um, I, I dare anyone to try to figure out what the next line of that lyric is. Yeah. Good luck. They must have been doing mushrooms or meth or something. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm telling you, it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Um, and it says the people that were with Saul, they saw a light and they, they heard a sound. Paul actually hears the, the words and actually sees Jesus, sees a light <laughs> appear to him, but they don't get all the specifics of it. I see a few of you fanning yourselves. Does, it, does the air need to be turned down or on in here better? Yeah, let's cool it off a little bit here. It's, well, we live in California. It's gonna be 85 degrees today in November, for crying out loud. So, uh, and, and without Jesus there, you can see it there in, uh, in verse four. This is, again, if this was happening today in modern times, it would be hashtag, hashtag to Saul, hashtag, what are you doing? This voice appears, hashtag, what are you doing? And Saul gets his phone out and goes, hashtag, who are you? This voice appears out of nowhere and a lightning bolt knocks him down on the ground and he can't see anything. Like, what, what are you doing? And the reply back is, hashtag, I am Jesus. Follow with a follow-up text, knock it off. <laughs> Knock it off. We are done with this. And there's parallel stories of this in Acts 22, Acts 26, and in Galatians. If you want to dive in deeper into this, as Saul recalls what happened to him on that road to Damascus, years later, more details come out and he puts it together. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, I, I think what's fascinating here, we're going to take some time today and look at five dudes Sorry, ladies, there, there were no ladies involved in this particular story. There are ladies involved all over the Bible, all kinds of things. Today, it's five dudes. Five dudes, five questions we're going to look at today. Questions that they had to wrestle with. Questions that today here in the 21st century, you and I are going to wrestle with here. And the first guy we're going to look at is Saul, also known as Paul. We're going to call him Saul Paul. Because in the Bible, they call him both names. Uh, He's mainly known by Paul, Saul, Paul, he had both names. Uh, he, some of you maybe uh, have seen those church videos that are on YouTube. We did it here once or twice. They call it cardboard testimonies. It's where you have a piece, big piece of cardboard and a big sharpie marker. You put, here who I, here's who I was before Jesus. Addicted, and then you flip it around, set free. Adulterer, around, faithful. Apathetic committed, but, but, but here, here's Saul's cardboard testimony. Killed Christians, am one. That God saved him on that road to Damascus, the most unlikely guy in the world. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, as he talks to Timothy, he says this. He says, you can take this to the bank, Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, that's important for some of us to understand today. Christ Jesus did not come into the world. If you're newer to this, this is where Christianity has got so tweaked sometimes. Christ Jesus did not come into the world to help you as a sinner save yourself and get saved. He came to do all the saving. You don't do anything to earn that, to deserve that, to get your act together. He came into the world to save sinners. And then Saul says, and I was the worst of them all. And this is good news for some of you today that are newer to church, newer to Jesus, wondering Okay, it's a little weird for me to be at church, and I'm not sure this is going to work for me. Some of you remember your story of coming to initial faith in Christ, knowing what your track record was. I wonder today, anybody here in your lifetime uh, ever tried to hurt somebody to get them to recant their convictions? 
Anybody try to physically hurt somebody? Anybody here ever kill anybody for, for being a Christian? Some of you go, yeah, well, for what? Yeah. <laughs> no, so you're in good company. If the grace of God, Paul says, look, I'm a testimony to God's grace because I was a jacked up mess and God saved me. If God can save me, he can save any of you fools out there. And you're all a bunch of fools, wretched, black-hearted sinners. God will save us all. And you can say, but just this week, Steve, last night, what I was doing, imbibing in too much of adult beverages to the point where I got was just wrong. The, the clicks around on the internet this week with binge watching, binge shopping, looking at porn and all kinds of stuff. Man, I've been unfaithful in my marriage. I've done some stupid jacked up stuff. God says, look, Saul's a testimony to us today, the chief of sinners. God if I can save him, I can save anybody. Um, and I wonder today, here's the question for us under, the, under Saul Paul. The question that we should wrestle with is, will I, will we respond to the light? That day, Saul was struck blind. And here's a kind of interesting kind of paradox of, of the way of Jesus, is that sometimes in order to really see, we might need to be struck blind. So that God can do a miracle then and give us real sight to see. But for some of us, we, we did not have, and we will not have a big lightning bolt and voices from heaven speaking to us. That will not be your journey. For some of you, some of us, you grew up going to church. There was a girl that got baptized here just a couple of weeks ago, and they, our whole testimony thing is, tell us what your life was like before Christ. She said, before Christ, what are you talking about? I don't know about Jesus my whole life. Paul tells Timothy, he says, look, Timothy, from a child you knew the scriptures that made you wise to salvation. So for you, it's not a big blinding light. It's maybe just a candle over there. You go, that's interesting. Just a candle. It's a small little light. I'm going to follow it. For others of us, it's a light bulb. For some of us, it's the big, huge, those beam lights that just you needed something to get your attention a little more. And the question is not so much, I want to, if, if God would go like this and strike me blind and seek from heaven, I, I would become a Christian. God goes, I'm going to give you what you need. And the question is, what are you going to do to respond to the light, to the grace that he has given you? Some, for some of you, that's today, today become a Christian today. Some of you are like, maybe like Saul Paul. Um, Saul was not a, a frothing at the mouth maniac just hating Christians. He was an educated guy. Went to the best schools, probably well off financially because of his family. You didn't get to go to those schools. So he had money. He was well thought. This was a very systematic way to destroy the church. And saw God saved him, uh, brought light into his life. And so what do you need to do to become a Christian today? You might be somebody far from God, close to God, everything in between. What do you need to say yes to Jesus? We're going to talk about that a little more in just a bit. Uh, God tells him, get up, get going to the city. So Saul gets up and he goes, I can't see and my eyes are wide open. It tells us that he goes into the city and doesn't eat or drink for three days. This is not a religious, spiritual, I'm just going to fast and pray and seek the Lord. You know what this is? PTSD. And you would have it too. If a lightning bolt comes down and knocks you on the ground, strikes you blind, and a voice from heaven tells you knock it off, you're going to be a little freaked out by that. And so he can't get to where he needs to go, but he's got some friends with him. And that's the next thing you'll see here. Saul, Paul's friends. These are people who help the helpless. We don't even know their names. They help people. They can't, they, don't miss this. Around you today 
are people who cannot get where God wants to get them without you just walking with them. And don't miss this. Do any of these people here pray a prayer for Saul? Hmm. Do any of them have a Bible and lead them through a Bible study? And don't have any money to help Saul with? And don't have any counsel, any podcasts for Paul to download? They have nothing to give him other than just say, here, take my hand, we'll, we'll, we'll help you get to where you need to go. And for some of us today, that's where God's gonna get you. He has you in places in your small group, the small groups that are part of church here, has you places in the workplace, places in your neighborhood. Because I don't know if you know this, I didn't see this as readily 17 years ago when we moved here, but I've become convinced into my soul that there's as many jacked up, screwed up, messed up people here in Temecula, Marietta as there are in the creek bed across the street over here on meth and jacked up and whatever. You just drive nice cars, drive, live in nice houses with air conditioning. We're a mess. This whole city is there looking for somebody. And what they need is not somebody to preach to them. It's just, hey, hey, I can help you get to where you need to go. Maybe here's the question today is, will I help someone in crisis? Whatever the crisis might be, and there's people all over the place there that God's calling you to help. Uh, I had a guy text me who the he's gone on vacation because only in America do we take a vacation for Thanksgiving for a week, but that's a different rant for a different day. Um, and he had watched the message, and he just talked about the fact that, hey, hey, I'm walking through with some people right now There's some very nasty, gnarly stuff. It's a good reminder to go, it's not my job to fix them. Maybe my job is just to walk with them. And help them just get where they need to be. I was talking to a few pe- people in crisis right now in our church. And there's some people in our church who know these people. And I said, can you just come with them and help them while they're there? And this, I remember this. This just happened this week. This lady said, I don't, I just, I feel stupid. I don't know what to say or do. This is over. Look, your job not to say or do anything here. Just help her get to where she needs to be. Just walk with her in this. Whether you ever say or do anything at all. Um. I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, and I'm, so I'm completely ripping this off from another guy that was speaking at the conference. It's not my story. I didn't think, think come up with it. I'm not this brilliant or that smart or this sensitive, but it's a beautiful story. He was talking about the idea of, you guys have seen those videos on social media or YouTube videos where these children, babies that are born deaf, babies born deaf, and then through medicine and technology, they can do stuff and the child can hear. And I mean, you're watching this video and this child who's never heard a sound in his life all of a sudden hears something. And you're watching this, just the wonder of this. And then for the first time, this child hears his father's voice. <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> hears his father's voice. And yet in there, you know what you don't see? There's a dude sitting back here, a girl sitting back here going like this tweaking knobs on technology. You know what her job is? To do everything she can to make sure he can hear his father's voice. Sometimes all you're supposed to do. God's speaking. Just do whatever you can to help him hear their father's voice. Judas is the next guy we meet. Um, it says, and God appears to Ananias in a vision. It's funny, Sam was talking to us about this. Sam Tate on our team, she helps oversee all kinds of stuff here. And she was saying, it's fascinating, there was double vision here. <laughs> there was the double vision of Saul's vision and there's Ananias gets a vision. And he goes, he tells him in verse 11, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. You know what we know about Judas? He had a house on Straight Street in Damascus. 
That's all we know about him. From time to time, here's the question for you to, to wrestle with today. Will I let God use my stuff? Judas doesn't pray for the guy. Maybe he helps, he provides some food for the guy, gives him a bed to sleep in, gives him a place just to recover. Will you, will we let God just use our stuff? Our house, our car, our business, our RV, our boat, whatever it is. And I gotta tell you guys today, uh, this right here, this question here should greatly encourage you because you guys do this all the time here at Cross Point. We still got room to grow in a lot of areas here. This one I give us a, man, a solid A, maybe an A++, because just all the time you do this. Put your resources out there. All kinds of you host groups, stuff at your house. Let people come into your house and tear up your house and use your house and have to wash dishes after the small group shows up because nobody stays around to help clean up after that. They leave that on you to do. So many of you have helped drive your cars to help kids get to camp, to let us borrow boats and vehicles to help kids all those kinds of things and more. Will you let God use your stuff? Uh, they talked to you uh, a couple minutes ago about the giving tree that's going to happen. Every year we have a giving tree. This year we have three of them. One of them being here. Student Ministries is going to have one to help some people. And our children's ministry already has one up and going. And it's just the idea of are we going to use our stuff, our money, to help some people. We're, we're partnered with this uh, ministry over in Kenya that helps rescue uh, street kids that are in street gangs and all that stuff, get them off the streets and get them um, reunited with their families. And we're going to have there uh, various things from Kenya, uh, hand-painted and hand-woven little trinkets and ornaments and stuff like that. And we're going to charge you ridiculous money to get one. If you want a good deal, go to Walmart. You're not going to get a good deal on this. We're going to say, hey, put some real money in here because we're going to help build a ministry center there to help leverage that to rescue more kids off the street. And here's what happens every year we do this. Every year we get a bunch of ornaments on that tree for you guys to go sponsor kids or do whatever. And every year by the first Sunday, they're all gone. Every year you guys just do that. It's just fantastic, amazing. So will I respond to the light? Will I help someone in crisis? Will I just let God use my stuff? If he asks for it, will I just say yes? Will I, will I hold my stuff with open hands? Say, God, whatever you want to do with this stuff, it's yours. Uh, just let me know how you want to use it. Then we meet a guy named Ananias in here. God appears to him in a vision, says, Ananias, go over to Straight Street and meet a guy named Saul of Tarsus. Uh, I've chosen to use him and uh, to show him the great things he's going to do for me. And Ananias says, wait, we've heard about this guy. And this is all the way up in Damascus now. This is before the days of TV and TV news and CNN and Google and Twitter and TikTok and whatever else is out there. It would take a while for the news to get from Jerusalem all the way up to Damascus. But he said, we already know about this guy. This guy is terrifying. He, I think he basically tells the subtext that is God gets somebody else that's, that's a stupid, ridiculous, dumb idea. I think Ananias might be thinking, did I have pizza last night for dinner? Because this is a weird vision. This can't possibly be God. Saul of Tarsus and Terrace, this could be a setup. And to make it worse, in the vision, God says, and I've told him that you're coming. You're going, oh, great. So now you set me up. So now he's going to be waiting for me, kind of a thing. Uh, and God looks at Ananias and says, did I stutter? Go. Go, I'm going to tell Saul what he's going to do. He's going to take this good news of Jesus, the most unlikely guy in the world to take the good news of Jesus 
to kings, to the Jewish people, and to let it get all over the, the known world uh, at that time. And then he says, and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And then I says, okay, I'll go. Part of me thinks Ananias goes, this guy has made people suffer. I'm going to tell him how much he's going to suffer. There could be a bit of some of that going on. Rudy was talking to us about that uh, this week as we were uh, going through uh, brainstorming and stuff like this. So he goes, he goes to Straight Street because that's Judas on Straight Street. Now, we don't know. Does Ananias know Judas on Straight Street or is it more like, um, okay, now where Straight Street is. So he's out there walking around, talking to people who have shops on the street, talking to people who are delivering Uber Eats food or whatever they're doing there, going, uh, I'm looking for a guy here who's Judas, and he's somewhere here on Straight Street. He eventually gets it figured out where it is. Now, understand something about Ananias. He is not some super Christian. He's not a priest. He's not someone who's been to Bible college. He's not done a bunch of amazing things for God. God says, go to that Judas on the street and talk to Saul. So you got a picture of the scene now. He knocks on the door. The door opens up. Guy looks out. Yeah? What do you want? Um, well, so, uh, God spoke to me in a vision and told me to come here. And at that point, if I'm Judas, <laughs> I got a freako weirdo here. He's trying to sell me something. That's probably what he's going to do. And he goes, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, 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 so, uh, do you have a, I, Saul, it's Saul of Tarsus, it's Saul of Tarsus. And Judas goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. How does he know who's here? And he hears the story that God appeared to him, and so he lets him into the house. And then you've got to figure, if you're Ananias, is this a setup? Is Judas in on this? And you walk over there, and you see a guy sitting over there in the cou- on the couch. Is he going to all of a sudden burst up and put a spear in your throat? Is, is this the time you're going down? Is this going to be it for you? And sure enough, God was faithful, and he goes in there, and he talks to Saul and tells him what to do. But Ananias takes a great risk to be used by God. He gets way outside of what he's comfortable with. He says, all right, God, if you really want me to, I will. Here's the question that Ananias had to wrestle with and what we need to wrestle with today is, will I... Will I get outside, maybe way outside, my comfort zones? See, here in the West, especially in the West, in California, where it's going to be 75 degrees on Thanksgiving, we could go to the beach on Thanksgiving, go to the mountains on Thanksgiving. We, could, we, we live in a world of such comfort and pleasure. And I don't, look, I'm telling you, I vote for that. I, whoever wants to give me more of that, I'm all about that. This is not a shame thing. This is not a terrible thing. But we sometimes have made the mistake of thinking that Jesus came to save us to make our lives comfortable. You just got to read the book. Uh, God, we always, God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. And God, my, my prayer for you this week, for a few of you, maybe not all of you, but for a few of you is that God would put something on your heart. And my prayer is God scare a few people this week with what you're going to call them to do. For some of you today, it's to get, become a Christian today. It's to become a Christian today. And even this happened last night here at Crosspoint. If you didn't, come on Saturday nights to see this once in a while. Some of you need to get baptized today. And it's like, oh, that's a weird thing. That's a big step I got to make. Yeah, it is. We got clothes for you to change into. We'll talk to you about it at the end of the service. There's a pool over here with water and all that. We even warmed it up last night, ready for you. You're going, but I, I don't know what to do about that. Today's the day. 
Now, it may not be your day today. You may be going, I still need to talk to somebody about that, have some questions about that. So on the connection card that you're going to continue filling out and finish filling out right now because none of you listened to them when they were up on the screen, finish filling that out right now, and there's a place in there if you have questions about what it means to become a Christian or what it means to get baptized, what this symbol of baptism is all about, that might be the scary thing God's calling you to do today. For some of us, it's like Katrina talked to us about. Maybe it's time to serve on the back of that connection card that you are all right now filling out. There's a bunch of places there at our church to serve. And some of those will be easy for you. Some of those will be like, no, I don't know about that. Man, it's awesome with kids' ministry stuff going on right now, how so many of you jumped in there. Way to go. Keep doing that. Uh, we were talking this week, though, with student ministries. Uh, our student ministry staff are saying, this place is blowing up on here on Tuesday nights. We're running out of places to put kids for small groups. We have, in at least, I think it's the seventh grade girls small group, 18 seventh grade girls in one group. Now I'm telling you, eight girls in seventh grade group would be scary for me. 18 of them. And so for some of you, God's going to put it on your heart to go, it's time to jump in there. And I know this little step I'm asking you to do to serve somewhere here at Cross Point, to get involved here, is not a little step. It's a, and I'm not going to fly off here because I'll break my ankle. That'd be terrible. But it's a big, it's, it's, it more feels like a big flying leap. And I'm telling you right now, I've discovered this in my own life. When you do, from time to time, God's going to do some things. He's going to ask you to do some things that are going to scare you. And it will, be the, it will be the most worst, most beautiful thing you've ever done. I'm telling you, when you do it, you go, God caught me there. He met me there. It was fantastic. It was, it, it's a defining moment in your walk when you'll let God scare you a little bit, what, what he puts on your heart. For some of us, it's to invite someone to come and check out Crosspoint, invite someone to hear about Jesus, maybe sit your own Bible, get with the Bible and talk about the gospel and Jesus and Christianity. I don't know what it is. I got a chance yesterday eating um, vegan food that was mildly delicious over at the Vale Ranch Center there. There's a great little, if you're into that stuff, I mean, if you want to get, eat more healthy, there's a great little place in there. And they're not sponsoring our church today. We're getting no kickback from this at all. But we were in there and just chatting with a couple there. And just the conversation, just easy conversations there. And guys, you sometimes probably think about me. Well, I get up here in front and I can talk in front of people. So I get just easier for me just to go invite someone to church, invite my neighbors, invite the people there. I'm telling you, it's the, I hate doing it in the sense of what makes me feel comfortable. If I did what made me feel comfortable, I would probably never invite anybody to church. Because I think people think I'm weird. They're going to think, oh, I've done this before. One of these religious freako weirdos. I've met some Christians. I know some people. Oh, gosh. I'm just telling you, and it was just this beautiful moment to go, all right, God, here I go. I'm just going to say yes uh, on this one and invite, invite these guys to come. And I have no idea if they're ever going to come. And sometimes it's not even about whether or not God ever, they ever respond to God and do that. It's going to be about what God does in your heart to trust him to go do something scary. And, and then since we're talking about stuff, let's just jump right in it. Money. Trusting God with your money to start giving in a way that honors God with your finances. Uh, and some of you will think, okay, it's because the church has been behind for the last few months. We were way ahead earlier, so we're okay. This is not about church finances right now. It's not about trying to get more money out of you to bridge the gap, to get us even, all that. None of that. This is simply saying, hey, is it time for me to start giving to God off the top? Not my last financial decision, my first one. 
And I want to I I triple dog dare you right now. That movie will be on TV for the next month everywhere. Um, to trust God by not just giving to God and not just giving to God sporadically, but giving to God systematically and trusting God by doing something the Bible calls tithing, which is giving 10% of your income. And some of you right now are going, that's crazy, that's stupid, there's no way I could do that. I know that's what God's going to ask you to do. Do the crazy thing. Do the thing like there's no way we could do that. You have to make some adjustments in your life and all that stuff. I'm just telling you, I, I, there's a guy who brand new to our church. He was here last night talking to me about this idea of giving. He said, he said oh, you couldn't script this for my life. I thought it was dumb and stupid. I didn't grow up going to church or any of that stuff. And they talked about tithing and giving. Like, That's ridiculous. And my, my wife and I had a big argument and fight about it. But we, she just trusted me on it to do it. She said, you couldn't script what happened in my life next. The joy, how my relationship with God went to the next level. And then there was even like all these crazy, weird financial coincidences that happened. Trust God with your money. And this is, again, not about getting money for the church. It's about something in your heart to go, because here's what I know about money. Money's always the last holdout for a lot of us. It's the thing we're holding on to the most because we just can't afford this and we can't figure this out. I dare you. Trust God. Whatever those things are where God's going to stretch you way outside your comfort zone, will you let him? Um, I also think, too, uh, in verses 17 to 19, it says Saul becomes a Christian, gets healed and baptized. I want to tell you, too, this might be something good for you to pray for people. To pray for people you know that feel like they're far from God and go, there's no way God's ever going to reach my kids. My friend, that person who at one point walked, went to church but just walked away from God with the middle finger up in the air going, I'm done with you. We're going to sing a song today. This said, God, I've seen you do it before. Would you do in the 21st century what you did in the first century? Would you blind somebody by the light? My friend, my kids, whatever. And God, just, just show up in a way unmistakable for them. And I'm going to tell you too, you got to pray for people in the Taliban like this. Not just God kill a bunch of them. What if God would do in the 21st century today, the, the, the vision of God would come in a dream or a light on a, a guy on a terrorist raid to some village in Afghanistan and God goes, what are you doing? And God saves somebody like that. You can pray for people like that and just watch what God does because the way God worked back then is the way God works right now today. He did not get therapy and calm down. He's coming for us to seek and save people who are lost. <sighs> Tells us, now, we didn't read these parts yet. We're going to read this. Oh, I got to go. <laughs> chapter nine, look at verse 19. Chapter uh, Acts 9, verse, at the end of verse 19, it says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and, and take him in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gates so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. I'm reading this to you today to let you know this, that whenever you start really seriously following Jesus, there will be opposition. And now it may not be, it may not be someone trying to kill you physically, but some of you know what this is like. They find out you're a Christian. I know people who like in their marriage and their family, all kinds of weird things. It's because it's of my values as a Christian, who I'm as a Christian. They're trying to destroy me relationally, trying to destroy me on the job here, trying to destroy me financially. 
They're, they're coming for you. Uh, so don't freak out. Now, again, you can be frustrated by that and scared by that. Don't be surprised by that. Don't freak out when it happens because I'm telling you, if it hasn't happened to you yet as a Christian, it's coming. Some of you are going to have some of that happen. You're going to eat dinner with people this Thursday that are doing some of that stuff for you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and somewhere here in, this, in Acts 9, uh, 19 to the end of the chapter, uh, Paul tells us that he goes to Saudi Arabia for three years. And Jesus meets with him in the desert. And he gets a face-to-face three years of Jesus in the desert. We don't know when that happens, the timing of the sequence, but it just, somewhere in here it happens. It says, look at verse 26 now. When Saul arrived back in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. No, duh. They did not believe he truly become a believer. They think this is some scheme cooked up by the Sanhedrin to, to scope him out. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. (laughs) When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away back to to Tarsus, his hometown. Uh, you got to catch the irony of this. Saul oversaw the execution of a man named Stephen. You know what caused all the ruckus with Stephen? He was debating with Greek-speaking Jews. And now Saul is out there going, I oversaw the execution of that guy that we... And now he's trying to win them to Christ. They don't like this, and they get Saul out of town. But there's a little fascinating story in here about this guy Barnabas. And we've seen Barnabas already in the book of Acts. Back in chapter 2, he was obviously a wealthy guy. It says he sold a field that he owned and brought the money, laid at the apostles' feet to say, use this however you want to use my stuff. Just use it. Barnabas is known as a son of encouragement. That's his little nickname. Son of encouragement. And we think son of encouragement is somebody who knows my love languages and gives me words of affirmation or physical touch or gifts or whatever. And that certainly is part of it. Son of encouragement is doing what Barnabas did right here. Here's a guy that he's not going to get to where God wants him to go unless I open some doors for him. From time to time in your life, there's going to be people in your world that because of your influence, because of your, the respect that you've developed in your family, in your company, in your neighborhood, you're going to be able to open the door for some people that they can't get open themselves. So the question here is, will I help someone else succeed? Not just will I get this person on my team so they can help me succeed. Will I help someone else succeed and achieve their God-given design and, and destiny that God has for them? And Barnabas does this. And guys, this is what has to happen in any good, healthy church, any good, healthy business, any good, healthy school, is the leaders there have to always be saying, who else? Not just I'm here and I'm doing this and I'm going to work hard and get people to help me do it. Like, who else can do some stuff here? How do I open the doors to get, let somebody else get up on this stage and speak. How, how, this women's thing we had on uh, Friday night with Christy and the team there, this happened because Christy opened some doors for people to say, hey, you've never done some of these things. Let me help you with this. And you open the door for people and you start to watch them come alive 
because it's not like the leader's going, oh, it's my thing, it's my thing, it's my thing, and control. No, I'm open the doors up, give up some control, give up some ability to, to micromanage this thing and go, do your stuff. And here's the crazy thing about it. Sometimes being used by God to open the doors for people will mean that some of those people will surpass you. Huh. Someday, they're going to be your supervisor. You know, and you can read about this in the book of Acts. Just Google when you get, if you have one of the apps that you can Google the names here. At the beginning, at some point, Barnabas and Saul go out to start taking the, the, the cause of Christ out to various cities in the Gentile world. And at the beginning, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, and not very soon, within a chapter or two, you know what happens? It's no longer Barnabas and Saul, it's Saul and Barnabas. Paul becomes the prominent one. He's the one that's being the leader of everything because of his gifts and call that God has on his life. It tells us in verse 31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. It also grew in numbers. I got a big star next to my Bible because here's the deal. During persecution, during difficulty, during pandemics, during crazy elections where half the country loses their mind and you get attacked because of your stance on a mask or a vax or how you voted or on black lives or blue lives or whatever it might be, that creates some difficulty. That does some things to purge our faith and purify our faith and get our roots down deeper as a community. But it doesn't just stay like that. It says here at some points too, we need phases where there it's, it's unopposed and unrestricted. And when that happens, the church doesn't just go deep, it also goes wide. Lots more people come into faith and Christianity because of the fact that it's not, I don't, I'm not, yeah, like if, we'd have four of you here today if you thought at any point in here somebody's gonna bust in here and put a knife in your throat. When also there's freedom here, it's unrestricted, unopposed, that's what happens here. Now, I wonder today, as the band comes up, we're not done yet, so just stay with me. I wonder today, the bottom of that note sheet that you have, if you're not looking at it right now, it's going to come up here on the screen. It's going to say, let's go. So let's go. Who's in crisis right now? Who does God want you to help? Does God, does God have, do you have some stuff that God says, I want to use your stuff. Will you let God use your stuff? Will you? Will you stretch way outside your comfort zone and let God use you in some powerful ways? Will you open doors for some people. Let's wrestle around with some of that today as the band is going to lead us in some songs. And then for some of us today, will you trust God enough? Will you trust God enough to say it's time for me to become a Christian today? It's time for me to become a Christian and get baptized today or at least talk to somebody about that. If you are here today and God's just been stirring in your heart and I know for a fact that he is because last week I talked to two different people after the service. One guy, one person right after another person during the week that said that was right there. Ready to just go, okay, let's get baptized. Let's do it right here, right now. But I, I don't know. So we can talk to you about that. Put us a note on your connection card. We'll talk to you about getting that set up and scheduled. But God, I believe, is, and a few of your hearts right now are saying, today, right now, will you take the big leap into the water and go public with your faith right here, right now, today? Katie is in the back of the house. Right back there? Katie's back there. People will be getting up and moving around the room to come and receive prayer back with our prayer team. 
If you need prayer for anything today, our prayer team's back there. We have communion that we take part in every week. And what communion is, it's a symbol of the body and the blood of Jesus. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. He says, I want you to make this the foundation of your life and celebrate and remember me as the one that got this started, that continues this, and will bring it to completion. People will be getting up and moving around the room to receive communion, to receive prayer. So if God's got that in your heart right now today, go talk to Katie, and then she'll text me, and I'll go change clothes. I have a wet swimsuit back there and wet shirt back there because it's all wet from last night. Hasn't even dried off yet. That'll be awesome. Jesus, today, you've done it before. We long to see you do it again, that your faithfulness, your grace is so strong. And whether we feel strong, we don't have to be because you are. Just do whatever that is you want to do right here, right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.